cool spring air flowed through the driver's side window as I sat and watched from across the street. Only a real piece of shit would leave a wife and kid at home to spend time in a place like this. Madame Sterling's was probably the most well-known strip club on Canal Street. Although the most well-known thing about it being the men who went there didn't come to just watch girls dance. Prostitution was never hidden very well in Hayden. But why hide if you had nowhere else to go? Not all the men who hung out in these parts were horrible people. But a real piece of shit was exactly what I was waiting for. Paulie Rizzo. Hayden City native and all-around scumbag had been in there for about three hours already. Arriving immediately after Sunday dinner with his family at their home in the suburbs. They lived in a modest house a little bit out of the city and away from trouble. But that didn't stop Rizzo from going back into the city to find it. I knew he was there to see the girls, but also to meet with potential clients. You see, Rizzo was an all-around hustler. He always had been. To the best of my knowledge, he was mainly known as a drug guy, the kind of person who had or could get whatever substances someone was looking for. But more recently, it seems he had expanded his product line to guns, Russian guns in particular. I knew he had to have another spot in the city somewhere to keep his goods. And that was exactly what I intended on finding tonight. My search didn't start with Rizzo, though. It started at the Golden Mule, where I spoke with Ivan about a job his boss needed help with. Being recently unemployed and no longer on the force, I needed to earn again. But more importantly, I needed friends who I knew could have my back in this seedy and unforgiving city. I don't like to think of myself as a professional snoop, but getting to the bottom of things is all that I know. And I do it better than anyone else. I walked into the mule that night I decided to start working on my own. To my surprise, the Russians who owned the place already knew who I was. To make things even more surprising, I was also on their shit list for my involvement in taking a huge load of guns from them during my time with the force. At that point, I thought I had made a huge mistake by coming in here. Until I remembered that I could offer something no one else in Hayden City could. Loyalty. What's the job? The guns you took from us and gave to the Italians. We want them back. I can find out who has the guns, but I'm not hired muscle. I can't promise you that I can get them back alone. That's no problem. Just tell us where they are, and we will take care of the rest. I don't want anyone getting killed over the information I give you. I can't promise you no one will get killed. But if it means that much to you, then bring them back yourself. If I do this for you, will your boss and his friends clear me for taking the guns to begin with? Yes. 
if you do this. <laughs> Drunken laughter cackled from outside the club as Rizzo and another man exited the front door. They stepped into his car and drove off down the street, with me following close behind. The two drove for a while, heading deeper into the city. I wondered where they were going at this hour. It was already pretty late, and I doubted they were going to another bar or club. Just then, the car slowed down and parked on a quiet residential street, right outside a small townhouse with dimly lit windows. Rizzo hopped out of the car and went inside. I knew the townhouse belonged to him because he pulled out the keys for the front door as he walked up the stairs. I sympathized with the man waiting in the car, knowing how anxious he must have felt. I was in his exact situation just a few days before. Finding any old Russian firearm in the city wasn't difficult at all. They were everywhere. My job was to find out who had them all, and was distributing them. I already knew the Italian Mafia were in possession of the guns, but made guys and families like the Imperiolis or the Mancinis wouldn't be the ones making hand-to-hand -hand deals. They would have outsourced to someone far less valuable, which led me to Rizzo and his friend in the car. I worked my way up the ladder, starting with my good friend Johnny. He was always a bit of a gun guy. I knew that if I needed something, he would be able to help me. It all started with a simple pistol. A Makarov, to be specific. I told Johnny that I didn't want to buy the gun from him, but whoever he got it from. He put me in contact with a man from Columbus Park, an Italian neighborhood. This guy wasn't anyone special. He couldn't have been. Otherwise, I would have heard of him while I was a cop. I met with him in a little cafe. And just like I expected, he was your average street-level dealer. Everything about him screamed small-time gangster. He walked into the cafe with the works. Hair slicked back. Gold chains, gold bracelets. Shirt buttons open with the wife beater underneath. As soon as I saw the toothpick hanging out of his mouth, I knew I met this guy a million times before. He sat down across the table from me and said, So, what's you looking for? Looking for a Makarov. Oof. Nah, guy, you don't want one of those. What you really want is a Beretta. What makes you think I want that? The Maruski guns are on high demand right now. Everybody wants them. Beretta shoots a stronger round, holds more bullets, and it's cheaper. I knew it was beside the point, but I had to admit, this brain-dead thug was really selling me on the Beretta. That's all really nice, but my clients prefer Russian, so it's going to have to be a Makarov. Alright, it'll cost you. We left the cafe, got into his car and drove to an undisclosed location. During the ride over, we were completely silent. The guy didn't say a word. He didn't tell me his name and he didn't ask for mine. Honestly, I preferred it that way. If he knew why I was here and who I was working for, he wouldn't want me to know either. We pulled up outside an old apartment building and he told me to wait in the car. Only after he got out and walked through the front door, 
was when the anxiety sank in. I wasn't nervous about getting ripped off or anything like that. My only concern was with him being a bunk lead. What if he came back with an old pistol that had been in circulation for years? Or some other off-brand make that had nothing to do with the load of guns I was looking for? Then it would be back to the drawing board, and I would have to start all over again. He came out of the building a few minutes later with a brown paper bag in his hand. He opened the driver's side door, sat down, and handed it to me. I reached into the bag to reveal a brand new Makarov pistol, in pristine condition, and relief rushed over my body like wind on the subway. It was absolutely mint, just like the ones we lifted from the docks about a year ago, and it still even had the serial number on it. There you go. Happy now? Yes, very. Can you get more just like this one? I have a big order. How big of an order? I took a piece of yellow notebook paper out of my pocket, listing off a number of guns. The list contained ten of each kind of gun taken from the docks that night. In order, only the main distributor would be able to fill. As soon as he saw the list, shock and awe overtook his face. But more importantly, exhilaration entered his eyes, as he realized filling this order would land him a massive payday. Jesus, man. I'd hate to be someone you got a problem with. If you can get me these guns, that'll never be the case. But they have to be in the same condition as this one. Of course. Look, I know getting things from me is more expensive, but I only mess with quality. I can get everything on this list, but I gotta talk to someone first. I knew this man wasn't too bright from the jump, but the last thing he said only confirmed that belief. He had to talk to someone first. Most people would have said, let me make some calls, or I gotta get some things together. But he specifically mentioned someone, and I intended on finding out exactly who that someone was. I tailed him for the rest of the day, and for the most part, he didn't go anywhere interesting. He met some friends at a pool hall and shot pool for a while, and then went to a bar near his place, all the while going back and forth to and from his apartment making shady little deals. Things took an interesting turn at about 9 o'clock, when he went home and changed into a nice suit before leaving the apartment. The choice in clothing was much different from what he was wearing earlier and I had to wonder where he was going with this change of attire. He started driving and I followed him. As soon as he went north on Highland Parkway, I knew he was going somewhere outside of the city. He drove that way for about an hour, and I slowly rolled the window down to let some fresh air in. It was nice to get a whiff of something that wasn't cigarettes or motor oil for once, and to see things like a tree that wasn't surrounded by sidewalk. Living in a city for so long, you forget there's an entire world outside of it. A world that isn't completely disgusting and overrun with human garbage. I heard myself think this thought out loud and realized that I'd find everything wrong with this place too if I stayed out here long enough. The guy slowed down and pulled into a small parking lot on the side of the road. The lot belonged to a tiny cigar lounge 
which had to be housing this someone my goonish friend had mentioned earlier. I decided to go inside after him, at the risk of being seen, just to catch a glimpse of whoever he was meeting here. Inside, it was dark and smoky. I took a seat at the bar and kept my hat tilted low, as not to be noticed. My guy was sitting at the other end of the lounge, at a table with three other gentlemen. He and two of the others were sat on sofas at either sides of the table, and the fourth man was sitting in a lounge chair at the end. The way their postures were directed at the man in the chair, I could tell that he was the one in charge. His hat was tilted very low as well, and I couldn't see his eyes from where I was at the bar. I had to get a closer look, so I got up and walked over to the bathroom. I cut through the middle of the room, just close enough to get a look, but far enough to keep some distance. Just as I walked past, he lifted his head up and looked right at me. We made eye contact, and there was no denying we looked each other dead in the face. Shit, I thought to myself. He saw me. I didn't know if this was an issue yet, but what I did know was that I had seen him before. Rizzo was his name. I remembered because my old partner Pat booked him on a Class A drugs charge a few years ago. Mostly heroin, but a few other things as well. Rizzo had a reputation for being a streetwise businessman. He didn't go to prison or anything like that, which leads me to believe he either ratted on some of his friends or struck a deal with Darnell involving money. Either way, it was known street life and dodgy dealings was his bread and butter. I stepped into the bathroom and started washing my hands. As I was at the sink, the door slowly crept open and somebody walked in. This person went straight to the sink next to me and started washing their hands too. I didn't look at him, but I could tell he was looking at me. And by the way he was looking at me, I knew it was Rizzo. What kind of guy goes to the bathroom just to wash their hands? The kind of guy who has a real fear of germs, or one who doesn't really need to go to the bathroom at all. Immediately I felt stressed by the entire situation, and if my thug pal outside found out I was here following him, I would be in big trouble. I left the lounge and drove back to the city without any problems. I knew Rizzo had to be an important player in the game, but how important I wasn't sure. I had to find out more about him, but I needed to be more careful. He already saw me once, and if he did it again, I'd be toast. The next day, I called my old partner Pat at the precinct. I had him give me all the information he could on Polly Rizzo, and his whole situation was puzzling to say the least. The first thing Pat told me was his address in the suburbs, quite a step up from the dope house he pulled Rizzo out of a few years ago. It was clear that he was moving his way up in the world, 
and it was also clear that he was getting very snug with the Italian mob. Being a second-generation Italian-American himself, it was only natural that a criminal like him would want to become friendly with the mafia and work his way up the ranks. But how friendly he was with the mafia remained in question. The second thing Pat told me was that Rizzo was seen having dinner with Carlo Imperioli, a very important member of the Imperioli crime family, and a made guy in every sense of the term. If Rizzo was having dinner with a guy like him, it would mean the two had some sort of relationship. I found this very odd, because when it comes to made guys in the mob, if you aren't one of them, you don't go near them. You don't talk to him, and you sure as hell don't eat with him. Everyone knew who the made guys were, and Rizzo wasn't one of them. So what was he doing eating with Carlo Imperioli? The whole thing just didn't add up, so I set out to find more. I tailed Rizzo the next day, starting at his family home. Everything about his family's appearance fit typical American suburbia, his wife and kid looked like nice and normal people, but Rizzo still carried his scummy criminal flair with him. He wore a gaudy tailored suit and obnoxious jewelry and drove a brand new Mercedes two-seater. For a man with a three-person family, it definitely said a lot about him. The neighborhood was nice too. I'm not sure what his neighbors thought he did for a living, but he looked so mobbed up, I bet you they didn't even want to know. His wife sent their kid to school, and he left the house to drive into the city. There he went to a cafe, clearly owned by some of his mobster buddies. Five of them sat outside, drinking coffee and talking about God knows what. The whole crew looked and acted like typical gangsters. The way they dressed, the way they moved, and they were all clearly earning as well. They each had expensive clothes and nice cars, but I didn't recognize a single one of them besides Rizzo. Obviously, Rizzo's crowd wasn't with the made guys, but I was positive he had to be the one selling the guns for the Italians. As I followed him throughout the day, he bounced between the cafe and a few places on Canal Street before leaving the city to go to the cigar lounge near his house, all the while meeting a slew of sketchy characters and either being handed or handing over an ambiguous bag of goods. He had to have the guns. I just needed to find out where he was keeping them. The next day held more of the same. More hand-to-hand -hand drop offs and pickups. At a certain point, Rizzo stopped off at a place I recognized, and it was there I saw a familiar face. The man who sold me the Makarov a couple days earlier was sitting outside the cafe we first met as he got up to greet Rizzo. The two went inside, and I wanted nothing more than to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. But I couldn't afford to get that close again. Rizzo had seen my face, and the other guy already knew who I was. The best I could do was park across the street and take a look through my bird watchers. The conversation they were having didn't seem like small talk as both men had a look of intensity on their faces. I knew what they were talking about when the first man pulled out the yellow piece of notebook paper I gave him and handed it to Rizzo. 
The expression on his face upon looking at the paper said two words. Payday. The first man was definitely looking to fill the order I had for him, and it seemed Rizzo was the guy to make it happen. I wanted to avoid a confrontation with Rizzo if it was possible, so I decided to tail him until I found out where he was keeping the guns. I thought maybe if I found his safe house and it wasn't guarded, I could get the guns back myself. The next day was Sunday and I received a call from my goonish pal. Come by my place in Columbus Park tomorrow. I'll have everything you asked for. Everything? Yeah, everything. That meant he was getting the goods from Rizzo at some point today. I had to keep a close eye on Rizzo to find out where the guns were. Hence why I saw him having Sunday dinner with his family, driving into the city to go to Madame Sterling's, meeting with our mutual friend, and now being parked outside this little townhouse, presumably to fill my large order of Russian firearms. So, like I said, I felt for the guy in the car. 